My wife's been out of town. We've got two little girls at our house. Anna Kate is six and Sarah is three. And my wife's grandmother, who helped to raise her, lives in Oklahoma. And so, and she's slowly passing away. And Laurie got the call on Saturday of this past week. And so she said, I'm going to go. And she did. And we, we prayed for her all week. But, of course, I had the joy of watching our girls this week and, and doing the work thing and getting them to and from child care. And it was, a long, it was a long week. And she came back <clears throat> Friday afternoon and just in time for a Saturday to get all the yard projects done. And, and uh, we worked side by side. And it was yesterday afternoon, and I was firing up the weed eater for the very first time this season. And, you know, after sitting in the, in the uh, garage for all season, it just didn't want to pull. And I pulled on that string and pulled on that string. And I was reminded of a story of a minister who uh, was walking up the street one day and saw some lawnmowers sitting out in the front yard. And a boy was standing by the lawnmowers. And the uh, minister said, you selling the lawnmowers? He said, no, I'm giving them away. He said, really? I could use a lawnmower. And he said, yeah, take one. That'd be great. So the minister took the lawnmower and he took it home and a couple days later he saw that boy out in the yard again with the lawnmowers and the boy said he recognized them. They both they waved at each other and the minister said, hey, you know, you gave me that lawnmower, but I can't get it started. And the boy said, oh, I forgot to tell you about that lawnmower. You've got a curse at that lawnmower. And the minister said, well, I am a... uh, I understand, but I'm a man of the cloth, and I have, I've, I've received a calling from our Lord, and I, 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 don't, I gave that up years ago. And the boy said, no, I understand. Um, but he said, you just pull on that cord long enough, it'll all come back to you. <laughs> and you know what? We live so close to the edge, don't we? It will all come back on us just like that, each and every one of us. And so I have been yearning for a little bit of good news today. I have been so looking forward to being in worship here. I have been so looking forward to being filled with God's Spirit in this worship place. And it has happened. And I am so grateful. I am so grateful that David has called on me to to share God's Word with you today. And I bring good news. I bring good news about what God is doing in my life and in the work at Must Ministries but I bring good news straight out of God's Word. And if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4. These are, uh, these are important words in the Gospel. They're all important, aren't they? But first words, I remember when I was in uh, high school, I didn't do well in English or grammar or any of that stuff. But I do remember the English teacher trying to convey to me how important that opening sentence was. And how important that opening paragraph was. And what we have right here in front of us today, Luke chapter 4, are the very first words of Jesus' public ministry. Well, we're going to pay attention to those, are we not? Because they are the first words and they set the tone for us. And so let's look at them. We're going to start at Luke chapter 4, verse 17. Please hear the word of the Lord. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. 
the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And all the eyes, the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Friends, the first words that Jesus shares with us today are all about answering the questions, Who? What? When and where? They answer all the questions that that we would have to, to ask about what Jesus is here to do and who he's here to serve. And let's see, let's read that list again. Let's see, they were the, he says, I've come for the poor, I have come for the captives, and for the blind, and for the oppressed. Let's see, I didn't read in that list... Uh, the CEOs and the doctors and the wealthy and um, not, not to say he didn't come for them as well, but he said this is profoundly the reason. This is who I have come for. And what have I come to do? I have come specifically to bring them good news. And I have come specifically to bring sight and to let Free those who are oppressed. So Jesus says, this is, this is who I am. I'm just letting you know right up front. This is who I am and this is what I've come to do. And this, friends, is where you will find me. This is where you will find me. And so, his ministry is clear. It's going to be where? Where are the prisoners? Where are the poor? They are not in the seats of worship. They are not in the parts of government. They are where? In the streets. So Jesus tells us it's going to be a street ministry. We can infer quite quickly from His words that the locus of His power and His love and His energy is going to be with the poor and with the oppressed and with the downtrodden. That's why He has come That's who he is here for, and that's what he's going to be about. And friends, as we we pick up the pages and turn the pages one after one and can't stop reading because we see that indeed God's power is unleashed. Is it not? I mean, we we see the power of God just, it's overflowing with those that he reaches out to who touch the hem of his garment. It is unleashed. It is unfurled. And it's palpable. You can almost taste it. And you can feel it as you read. Miracles and healing and salvation and community transformation are all taking place in the pages of where He is at work. And so, friends, I share with you today that I believe that our God is still found 
in those places at Cobb Pregnancy Services with those who can least afford it. That that's where God is working today. That's who He has come for. And that's what He is about. And that's where He's going to be found. Doesn't make the headlines of the Marietta Daily. It's not going to be found on Fox. It's lurking. Lurking beneath the surface. To the naked eye, it's not going to be noticed. It's kind of like, um, I remember the very first time I went to the Caribbean. And we were newlyweds. And we, went to, we did the Jamaica thing. It was a week, all-inclusive. One day you go out on the boat and you get the snorkel and you, know, you do the, the snorkeling out on the reef. And, and I remember the guy saying, now we're going we're gonna to drop down here and there's, there's a school of fish that are typically right on this reef. And uh, I was all excited about it. Uh, and so I had my snorkel and everything and I was going to be cool and flip off the back of the boat and you know, just... Oh, I was so into it, um, <clears throat> and I'm a good swimmer. But I remember jumping into the water and truly falling right through a school of fish that were just all around me. I mean, they were just hitting me and running around me, and it was it was frightening. And I hadn't, I wasn't prepared for that because above the water, it was clear and placid, beautiful blue sky, no clouds, not a hint of wind. It was just picturesque, and the water was so still. And then to drop into the water and see, I mean, just teeming with life. That's where our God is at work. It's, it's beneath the surface. It's, it's, we don't see it to the naked eye. I grew up on the Tennessee River in Chattanooga. Nancy and I both did, and we had a 19-foot runabout boat that we would take out on Friday afternoons, Dad would cut off from work at 3 o'clock. We'd, we'd be out at the lake by 4.30, and the water would just be like soup on a saucer. And we would take off up the lake, ski all the way up to a great sandbar where my mom would then unload the boat with a picnic dinner, baked beans that she had made, and, and all the fixings. And we'd lay out the blanket on the sandbar and there we would, you know, eat and, and lounge. And, and then as just as the sun would be beginning to set on the ridge across the lake, we would, we would pack everything back up and we'd load back onto the boat. And then I can remember my dad. He would, he would stand there at the edge of the sandbar and he would give the boat a big push and he would jump up on the bow as the boat kind of made its way back out into the water. And then he would make his way to the back of the boat, and this was, of course, before the inboard engines. And so he would get back there at the back, and he'd crank on that outboard motor, whip it to life. But on this particular day, as he cranked on that handle, uh, by about the third or fourth handle pull, uh, as an eight- or nine-year-old boy, my anxiety level just began to, to rise a little bit as I realized he was having difficulty pulling on that handle. And, and by the eighth or ninth pull, his shoulder was starting to hurt. And, and, and my anxiety level was really starting to rise. 
and I can remember these words coming out of my mouth. I wish that I could have them back. But the words were, we're going to starve. And my mother just, just like that snapped me back in. She said, we just ate dinner. And there's food in the cooler. And then she said these words to me. And she said, and look out there. And I, I looked out there. It was water. She said, look at that buoy right there. That buoy right out there. I saw the buoy. She said, that's the Tennessee River. That's water is moving. She said, all we got to do is paddle up to that to the channel. And once we go get to the channel, it will carry us right back down to where we put in the water. And sure enough, we paddled for 100 yards or 150 yards, and, and I could physically feel the bow of the boat turn, this invisible current. And all of a sudden, we were moving back down the river. Out in the channel, where millions and millions of cubic feet of water are moving every second down the Tennessee River, that's where the power is. And friends... I guess what I want to share with you today is that we have the opportunity to get out in the channel. We have the opportunity to get out where God's power is unleashed in the world. It's moving, but we can't see it because we're not there. It's not making the headlines, but it is in the highways and the byways and the streets of our communities. It is in India, and it is in China, and it is in the, in the, in the sub-Saharan Africa. It is where, where people are hurting. It is, it is powerfully and palpably at work in the world. He is acting. And so the message today is go join him. Get out in the channel where it's moving and where it will be carried along. But so oftentimes, don't we do this? I do it every morning with the girls even and my wife. We say, oh, Lord, getting ready to go to work today. Go with me. Come get right here in my hip pocket and join me where I'm going. And I guess the message that has been laid on me is, yes, we do want the Lord to go with us. But if we want to be a part of the power and the transforming work in the world, then let's join Him. Let's go where He is. Let's, let's be a part of the activity. Let's, be, let's see salvation at work in the lives of others. Because that's... And He's the primary actor. We're the support cast. Don't you? Don't you? You remember that saying about being coming, asking God to be your co-pilot or something like that? You know, oh, Jesus co-piloting my car or whatever. No, no, no! He is the pilot. We're just joining him. We're getting out there with him. Because it's where the power is. And there, there's so many reasons to serve the poor. I mean, it, it helps that God commanded it, you know? It, it helps that he modeled it, that kind of behavior. It, it helps that in Isaiah and in Micah, we're told that that is the true form of worship when we are serving the poor that that is authentic worship. But for me, even though I'm not from the show-me state, show me the power. It's compelling. It's exciting to join him out there 
and to see it unleashed in the world. Jesus' disciples were caught up in that excitement as well. In Matthew chapter 14, we hear this familiar story. 14, beginning at verse 13. And when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when they went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they go into the villages and may buy food for themselves. And Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he blessed the loaves, and he gave them back to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The disciples were caught up in it with Jesus. The disciples, you know, this is code. You know, Lord, send them away so they can get something to eat. You know, we're, we're worried about them. You know, that's code for we're really tired and we're weary. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. You give them something to eat. And they, they empty their pockets, you know, and they say, well, with what? We have so little here. And Jesus said, well, what do you have? I said, well, you know, we've got the five loaves. And, I mean, that's it. You know, and in Jesus' hands, he multiplies their gifts that they have. And, and so oftentimes, we, we minimize what we have. We say, well, you know, I, I have very little time. I'm raising a family. And, and the resources are all accounted for. Are they not? The resources are fully accounted for in our house. And there's not a lot left over to share. And Jesus says, that's all right. Disciples, what have you got? Well, this is it. I mean, you know. And he multiplies it, and he gives it back to them, and he gives each disciple a handful. Just one handful. Remember, five loaves, two fish. I mean, you know, divided by 12 disciples, there's a handful, right? And, And the crowds have been ordered to sit down and... I mean, you you got to get the feeling that, that a, 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 a mob might break out. I mean, we've got just a little bit of food here and a bunch of people. But instead, the disciples are faithful with this little amount that they've been given to them. And Jesus multiplies it. And the rest is history. I tell you that story because God's doing that today. Several years ago, Carol Hunt, dear, dear, dear friend of mine, and I hope she'll be a friend of yours. She is a volunteer at Must Ministries. She came to the executive director at the time and she said, I have a burden on my heart for the children of this community who during the summertime 
I am concerned that they may not have anything to eat. They're on the free lunch program in school, and I just am worried about them. And would it be all right? Would it be all right if I took my lunch hour and some of my neighbors made some sack lunches and, and I delivered them on my lunch hour? Would, would it be all right if I did that? Would it be all right? My goodness, yes. And she went out and she came back after the lunch hour and she told the story. Oh, the children's faces and the joy and the stories and oh, it was so heartwarming. And, and one thing led to another and, and, and the executive director at the time before me said, you know, this sounds like a program that must ministry should embrace. And, and so what went from 25 lunches went to 75 lunches and churches got involved and neighborhoods got involved and, and the body of Christ took over. And that, that little program that she started now serves more than 2,000 children every day. Every day. Lunches are made by you and me and others across this community and they somehow materialize and they're organized in such a way and the, the crowds are organized and, and the volunteers who have what they have, their handful, they go deliver it. And 2,000 children are fed every day of the summer, five days a week, ten weeks out of the summer. And 100,000 meals are provided over the course of a summer to the children who are hungry. The resources of our God are available to us. And they are out, and He is out in the highways and the byways. He's working. And the work, we're told, we're told the work that He began, He is faithful to bring it to completion. In Matthew, in John chapter 14, you're saying to yourself, how many chapters? How much is he going to read today? In John chapter 14, beginning at verse 12, Jesus leaves the disciples with some key words before he parts and goes to the cross. A few last words. You know, when you're with someone for the last time, you just want to tell them the most important thing. And so he is trying to impart a few last words about what's important. What should they remember? And so he says these words, Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father. If I was a disciple, I think that word would have just washed right over my head. Ha! To think that we would do the same things or greater than he did? I mean, come on, this is the guy who, who when somebody touched the hem of his garment, they were healed. And, and when, when masses of people were fed and, and, and people were brought into an intimate knowledge of God, to think that we would do greater things than these? 
It was the late summer of 2005. It was August the 31st. And the first word about a hurricane whirling in the Gulf Coast began to reach Marietta. And we all began to hear about how big this hurricane was going to be and and how it was going to come ashore and that if the levees didn't hold, that literally thousands of people would be displaced and and the evacuation orders were sent out and, and people began to make their way to where? To Houston and to Dallas and to the metropolitan Atlanta region. And we began to see them on September the 1st and September the 2nd. And how did they get here? They got here by car and they came by bus and they were even transported by C5, no, C-130s into Dobbins as they began to land and were transported here. And they began to to populate our hotels and our motels in the community. And some of them came with literally the clothes on their backs and not a, a red cent. And they began to show up at Must Ministries. And I remember the staff saying, what, what, what do we do? I mean, this is not the typical client that we serve. I mean, we serve, let's see, the guidelines say Cobb County residents only, must show picture ID, you know. Um, and these are, these are from Louisiana. You know, I don't, can we serve them? Are we, are we allowed to help these people, you know? And then we, I don't, we, you know, we had to have a meeting. <laughs> Let's have a meeting. You know, I don't know what we're gonna do. Okay. Well, it was a mob of people, and what were we going to do? And and so we did. We sat down and we 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 said, well, I don't know. We're not the Red Cross. We're not the Salvation Army. However, our mission statement says that we're serving our neighbors in need in response to Christ's call. We went back. We said, well, who is our neighbor? Well, we found, the, we found the Scripture that talked about who our neighbor is. And we said, "This, they are our neighbors. We said, we, we will serve them. And so we put out an all-points bulletin to every church in the region. And we said, they're here, and we're here to serve them, and we need your help. And you know... People responded. And the food began to pour in. The food poured in so much so that, that we had to go to our neighbor next door, Cobb EMC, and say, can we use your loading docks there? And, and they let us. And, and, and it so overwhelmed the loading docks that Cobb EMC said, you know, we need these loading docks. I mean, we have to provide power. We'll give you a warehouse, 30,000 square foot warehouse they gave us. And the food poured in. And it poured, it filled the storehouse 30,000 square feet. And we served. And we fed day after day. Not me. The people of this community. Volunteers poured in to serve and to, and to provide meals. And we, every time we served one, we counted it. Check, check, check. And wouldn't you know, the numbers just piled up. And after about 40 days, that's kind of got a biblical ring to it, doesn't it? For the 40, you know, 7, 40, you know. 40 days later, it, things were really kind of winding down at that time. And, and other things were winding up because we had to get a lot of these people settled for good. 
But the immediate crisis was beginning to wind down, and we began to kind of reflect over the, the past 40 days. And we said, what has happened here? And first thing you do, first thing somebody like I does is say, well, show me the numbers. And we added it up, and it was 205,000 meals had been served over that 40-day period. And then we did the quick math. We said 205 divided by 40. That's 5,000 meals a day for 40 days. And then, ding, the light bulb went on. And I remembered the words that Jesus said we would do even greater things than these. And we did. And we are. And it's happening. And he's still in that business. And the word is true. Friends, he has told us who he is with and what he's going to be doing and where he can be found. I invite you to join him where he is, to join in that exciting power and presence that is palpably at work in the highways and byways of this community. Join him where he has told you that he will be. That's where you will find him at work. In the words of the song that we just sang, if you want to be, the words were, I want to be where you are. Join him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bo and the praise team is going to come back and lead us uh, one more time. <clears throat>